Revelation chapter 3. I don't care to be unkind to any of our national leaders, but the founding fathers, the framers of our Constitution, were deeper thinkers and wiser men than anybody we have today. I'd I'd hate to think personally, you're welcome to your opinion, but I'd hate to think what it'd be like if our leaders today had to actually write out a document like the Constitution. I, I, I shudder to think what it would be. Our framers wrote into the Constitution that the highly elected, the top elected official, the president, should give a State of the Union address about the country every January. And so following that kind of, it's a kind of a thing of uh, reminding us where we've been, what happened. I've tried to do that uh, uh, every place I've been. Go ahead, Mitch. I've tried to do that. And share with you a state of the church message. This is the state of the church message for today, for this year. Last year, the um, I had the staff. We all got a book that we worked through and talked about it. And it was entitled Prepare for Rain by Michael Catt, story of Sherwood. We talked about principles. I passed it along to the deacons. And by the way, deacons, we have a meeting today at 3.30 and we're on chapter 4 of this book. And this prepare for rain really says it in a nutshell. What uh, I want to share with you today that God is opening a door and we need to prepare for the rain that's coming. Now, that title has a direct correlation to an old movie that they created at Sherwood called Facing the Giants. And what I want to do, go ahead, Tate, you can dim the lights. Uh, What I want to do, I want you to share two minutes of uh, this movie so you can kind of see what we're... They've got us unmuted there. Go ahead, Mitch. Mr. Bridges? Revelation chapter 3 says, We serve a God that opens doors that no one can shut. And he shuts doors that no one can open. He says, Behold, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have a little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Coach Taylor, the Lord is not through with you yet. You still have an open door here. And until the Lord moves you, you're to bloom right where you're planted. I just felt led to come and tell you that today. Mr. Bridges, do you believe God told you to come tell me that? I do. I admit to you I have been struggling. But I've also been praying. I just don't see him at work here. Grant, I heard a story about two farmers who desperately needed rain. And both of them prayed for rain. But only one of them went out and prepared his fields to receive it. Which one do you think trusted God to send the rain? 
or the one who prepared his fields for it. Which one are you? God will send the rain when he's ready. You need to prepare your field to receive it. For those who haven't seen the movie, Coach Taylor's a football coach, but there's talk of firing him. And uh, Mr. Bridges is an elderly man, and all he does is this. He comes to the school, and he walks up and down the hallway of the school, and he prays over the lockers, prays for the kids. And ultimately, revival broke out in that movie. The guys you saw on the screen, uh, Alec Kendrick played Coach Taylor. A man named Ray Wood played Mr. Bridges. I'm acquainted with both of them, I'm probably closer acquainted with Ray. He preached for me one time at my last church. He's now an elderly man, and I heard he wasn't in good health. But when Alec and his brother Stephen wrote the script for this movie, they wrote that part with Ray Wood in mind. And then they had to convince him to get in front of the camera to do it. And the reason they did is because that character epitomizes the life of Ray Wood. Ray would have no problem walking up to you and saying, God told me to tell you this. And then he'd deliver the message, and just like he did in the movie, walk off. You see, the truth is, that way is the way the Bible is written. God gives us his truths. He encourages us to follow them, to live by them. But in the final analysis... You and I must make the decision. Now, there are a few times in Scripture when God strong-armed people, so you don't think I'm totally devoid of this. Jonah, he, he had to get him in the belly of a fish before Jonah would listen. Or Paul, Saul of Tarsus, he had to slap him off a donkey before he'd pay attention. But most of the time, he gives us a call. And then he gives us this call to engage. And it's up to us whether we engage or not. To engage is to do his work, his will, in his way. It's not doing our will in his name. And there's a difference. Today's first Sunday of 2022. State of the church. I want to, you can go ahead there, Mitch. I want to piggyback off of Revelation 3. Now, I'm not going to ask you to stand because if you've got your bulletin or if you're a note taker, as we read this two verses of scripture, there's going to be an outline there that we'll pass through quickly. You can write down and study later. So, in chapter 3, verse 7, in your Bible, it said, my Bible says, write to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Do you see that? To some of them, it might say to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write. But my text says, write to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. I want to show you how personal I think this message is for us today. Would you gaze at the screen a second? Hit that space bar one more time. Instead of Philadelphia, write to the church, write to the angel of the church called New Hope. For you see, God gives the angel, the pastors, 
the message that they need to hear. It is the pastor who speaks and sees and teaches. The pastor who spends 24 hours a day thinking about what God wants to do in and through the congregation that he is called to serve. The instruction to the writer. That's your first. The instruction. This is right to this pastor because I want him to know. The second thing that I would see there is in the second part is the identity of the speaker. Now, it doesn't name him as Jesus, but it's, this is his, thus says, this is his description, the Holy One, the True One, the One who has the key of David. And because we all have read Revelation 1, we know instinctively this is Jesus speaking to John to write to the angel. But then it gets big as it moves to the final, and it's the implications for the recipients, for those who hear us. And, and look at what it says. I'll read it up here for you. Who opens and no one will close, and who closes and no one will open. I know your works. Look, I've placed before you an open door that no one can close, because you have but little power. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. The truth is, is that, is that we know this is Jesus. And we know that Jesus is speaking to us. And we know Jesus reminds us of a couple of things. Can I just, he's going to underline them. The first one is, I know your works. Now I want to come back to that later, but I want you to think about that. I know your works. If somebody knows your works, they know you. And the second thing that I want you to see is that he says, I have placed before you an open door that no one can close. Did you get that? An open door that no one can close. And my, my brothers and sisters, my friends, this is my deep conviction for us right here. That this church is the church of new hope. His message for us today is I have given you an open door of opportunity. The rain is coming. Prepare for it. The best way to prepare for it going forward is to take a quick look back. Would y'all let me do that? I want to look back at uh, 2021 just for a second. Go ahead, Mitch. Give me that blank screen. You see the blank screen there? I want to talk you through some things to remind you about what God is doing in this place through his people. First of all, this format right here, two services. Third week of January last year, Sherman came into my office and he said, Brother Jerry, he said, it's time for us to think about and to plan for two services. And so we did. We had talked about it previous fall and tabled it. I said, you think the time is now? He said, we do. Now, I want to tell you this. I did an attendance study for New Hope for 10 years, and the line was just like this, strong attendance, right on the, right on the uh, even keel. Over the last over the last 12 months, we have seen our attendance in our services, when you put them together, be between 15, 10, 15, 20% on the average above what it was, what it had been in those years. Here's what I'm going to tell you. God is blessing this effort. And, and, and it's got some other fallout from it, but, but God is blessing this effort. The second thing I bring to your attention is the upper room. Uh, first hour, I said, if you ask Lauren... She'll tell you, like I will tell you, that the upper room has not taken the, uh, the track that we thought it was going to take. For those that don't know the upper room, it is the uh, soup kitchen, last Sunday of every month. And so 
when I got out of last service, I ran nose to nose with Lauren, and she and I talked about it on the same page. Is that we don't know what all it will do, what all it will be. We think it's getting some legs. It may not look like it looks now, but we believe that God has led us to this concept so that we can touch people that we may not ever touch any other way. Next, mission trip. For the first time in the history of 150 years of this church, this church sponsored a mission trip, went to Montana. Now we have a partner in Montana. Now we'll be going back. I didn't even tell them first hour of June 20 to 25, Monday to Saturday. We want to take a big group. There's work to be done. We have more churches in the county that we call Marion than in the entire state of Montana. Do you get that? Unchurched. People don't know about Jesus. And we're, we're with them now, and we're communicating with them, and we're helping them. We sent some money to help them plant one new church. And so uh, God is moving through our missions. And while I'm talking about missions, let me go to Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon, we set a modest goal of $5,500. We've now received about $7,400. God, had, that was a good place for an amen. amen. Have, I, have I put you to sleep already? Uh, $7,400. What a great, what a great uh, uh, outpouring from God's people for missions. And then while I'm talking about finances, so I can talk it through and get off of it, budget gifts. At the end of, this ser- at the, end of the last service, they voted unanimously. At the end of this service, we'll vote on our budget for 2022, last year our budget was 525. This year we're proposing 560. And some will go, oh, what a big increase. Well, let me just tell you, according to my records, Beth, that you and I haven't talked about this, according to my spreadsheet, we gave this year, this past year, $565,000 to God's work. Could I get an amen? Amen. And so here's the thing. We're adopting a budget that for this year that's less than we took in last year, and we still have a little room if our search team needs a little to bump up the salary a little bit for our new staff person. We still got a little room without stretching us at all. God is being good in so many areas, but I'm not through. Move forward there, if you will. Our discovery class, our discovery membership class, we inaugurated this week. We have many gone through it. We'll admit four new people to our church next business meeting that went through the process. Supposed to meet this afternoon. If you're interested in, in being a member of, of this church, it doesn't mean that when you go through it, you're automatically a member. It's just the first step. We're supposed to have that at 5.30 this afternoon, first Sunday of every month. And God is blessing this. You move from the discovery class. This is one of the things that I'm excited about, the two singing groups in our, group, in our church. I know the church, I know the adults had really gotten started before I came and kind of taken a, a hiatus because of COVID, but now they come together, they matured. You, you were witness of what God is doing through our young people as they lead in worship today. This is a direct reluct, a result of God's blessing and us stepping forward through the doors that He hope opens. And I'm excited about what He's going to do. But this next one, give us one more there. Whew. This one is the one that has the power to change the church. This is the one that has the power to change the culture. This is the one that has the power to change me and you. Connect groups. They're now on solid footing. We're gonna, we said it before. We'll say it again. If you're not in a group, 
you would like to be in a group, there's a sign-up list on the back. We want you in a group. My goal is for everybody to be in some kind of connect group. This is where we grow to become more like Christ. This is where we become the disciples that Jesus has talked about. I applaud those who step forward to lead, and we're looking forward. Some of these groups are already kind of mushrooming, and we're going to have to create two groups to make room for more people. This is an exciting day. And then don't forget our increased participation in Operation Christmas Child. Sharon and her team, and she would have me to say, and her team, they just did a phenomenal work as we were a drop-off point to take uh, close to 1,200. Somebody remember? You remember, Sarah? Close to 1,200, I think, boxes to a, a temple in Hattiesburg. That's 1,200 kids that came, that we touched through the ministry, the outreach, the effort of this church. God is good. Now, just when you think I'm getting done, here's what I want to say to you, is that these are not, I'm going to get one more, these are not the only places God blessed. And he's blessing a lot more, lot more areas, but these are 10 I just kind of picked out. Last year, Tiffany sat down with me and she said, kind of with a tear in her eye, we sat in the prayer room and she said, Brother Jerry, I just believe it's time for me to step aside from the school. She probably knows this today, but she didn't know it at that time. What went through my mind was, dear Lord, is this season of ministry for us at, at New Hope? Is it over? I mean, how will we go on? But you guess what? God had to supply before we knew there was a need. And now Baxter White stepped over that school and, and doing a tremendous job. And here's what I'll say to you. If we get this right, we will be able to impact young people, young lives, the next generation, for generations to come. And, and I'm just going to say I've gone through this list, and I didn't go through this list to brag on anyone. I went through this list so you could see firsthand that God is at work at New Hope. I'm going to say that again. God is at work at New Hope. (laughs) There's life. I'm going to say it one more time. God is at work at New Hope. Amen. And I want to say it, tell you this, is that I believe God has opened a door like only God can do. Now, I don't believe we've seen all that God can do. I walked into a church one night and a revival meeting, and they had about 20 or 30 people there, and the pastor said, we really saw what God could do last night. And my thought was, God probably did some things, but brothers and sisters, we have not witnessed all that God can do. We need a fresh dose, a fresh reminder of the God that we serve and all that he can do as he's trying to prepare us, as he's opening doors of opportunities to prepare us for the rain that he wants to send our way. Let's not forget this. When God opens a door, when God opens a door, it's a God-sized door. It's a God-sized opportunity. It requires a God-sized faith. And the state of this body, this church, is this. Your pastor deeply believes that God has opened a door of opportunity. And I believe he is preparing to open the doors of heaven, the floodgates of heaven, and send the rain. And if you're not excited about it, I hope somebody lights your fire because I am.
It's been a long time since my heart has been as excited as it is now about what God wants to do here. But here's some, let's make no mistake. I believe God wants to open the doors of heaven, open the floodgates, send the rain. If we're ready. If we're ready. If I give you the honest evaluation right now, I wonder if we're ready for God to do what he wants to do. Or I wonder if we have too much other stuff on our plates to receive what he wants to send. And then I ask myself the question, what would it take? What would it take? I mean, he called Jonah to go, I was reading about this in my devotion this morning, he called Jonah to go to to Nineveh. He didn't want to go. Not only did he not want to go, he really didn't care whether those folks got saved or not. He didn't. And God had to put him in a fish. I remember 20 years ago on 9-11. In the aftermath of 9-11, there was so much fear. Because we knew if they could get to New York City, they could come to a little old place like down here and blow us out of the water. And all of a sudden, we weren't secure. 20 years, we found ourselves feeling secure once again. But secure in what? I wonder what it would take. I've seen churches that it took a death of, of someone. An accident. I've seen places where God allowed things to happen to grasp the attention of the people who weren't paying attention. Are we ready? Are you ready? So how do we ready ourselves? In chapter 2 of Revelation... Of course, you know chapter 2 and 3 is where he's writing to the churches. At chapter 2, the first church, the lead church is Ephesus. And he gives them all kind of compliments. And he said, but then I got one thing against you. Listen to this. You've abandoned. You've left. You've walked away from your first love. What was their first love? You can go back in Acts and find it was Jesus. And after they walked away, the, the words you see on the screen are the words that he gave them. He said, remember then how far you've fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I'll come to you, remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What a message from our Father. Would you let me pray for us before we... Finish this message. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, would you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Lord, I pray that you would prepare us walk through an open door 
Prepare us to receive the rain. The rain of your spirit that you want to send. Prepare our hearts. Make us ready. Do whatever is required. That you can be first in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. From that scripture that I just read, that's Revelation 2.5, I want to offer you kind of a pathway to being ready. How, how is it? I, I dislike it when people tell me what I need to do and don't tell me how to get there. So if, you, if you're taking notes, it's going to be kind of a circular thing, kind of a pathway. You've got it in your bulletin. It begins with this word, reality. Kids love to say, keep it real. Keep it real. Reality. So let me ask you a question that's personal and up close in your face. What is your personal spiritual reality? This is what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to look at anybody, your wife, your husband, your kids. I'm asking you to look in your heart. What is your personal? What is your private? What is your ongoing? What is your organic? What is your relationship to Jesus? In the quiet place where nobody else is around you, what is your relationship like with Jesus? Where does he fit in your life? Here's what I know. I know we can attend church. I know that we can sit here like we got it all together. And I know that we can fake it. You know how I know that? Because for 20 years, I stood on church platforms as a lost minister. Oh, I could say the right words. I've been to enough Sunday school classes and VBS classes. I knew the right behavior. And you know what? Even when Jesus saved me, I didn't come perfect. Are you listening? Those who know Christ? I'm like the old hymn says, prone to wander. Prone to leave the God I love. Why am I so prone to do that? Why are you so prone to do that? It's because the old man, the old flesh, pulls us away from God. Do you realize if you do nothing that your life will drift away from God? Further and further and further. Jesus says, I told you I'd come back to this. Jesus says, I know your works. Now, here's the thing. He's talking about your work of your hand. He's talking about the physical things you do. But let me just tell you what he's talking about. He knows what goes on in your mind. He knows what goes on in your heart. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what you're saying. I wish, Brother Jerry, just get on past this. I wish we just, we've we studied this enough. Well, no, we haven't. No, we haven't. He knows who we are. He knows our attitudes. He knows our heartbeat. He knows our desires. He knows our wishes. He knows our fantasies. He knows our wants. He knows it. 
Somebody will say, Brother Jerry, you think this is a bad congregation? Is that why you're preaching? No. I said this on many occasions. I'm on record, and what I say in this service generally makes it on the Internet. I'm on record as saying this. We have some of the best people. We have good people. When I came back here, I knew that there were good people here. Just good people. But I'm going to offer the good people a reality check. Jim Collins is a business guru. He wrote a book entitled Good to Great. He made a sobering statement in that book. Are you listening? Good is the enemy of great. Did you get that? Good is the enemy of great. Why would he write that? Why would he say that? Why would he think that? I mean, isn't good where you are just before you get to great? Well, sure. But when we set our sights on only being good, we will never attain God's best for us. How does it relate spiritually? Well, I'm going to be good enough. How many times have I tried to share Christ with somebody? They go, well, I'm good enough, preacher. I'm as good as that old deacon, chairman. I'm good as so-and-so. I'm good enough. You see, when being good enough becomes our goal, it now becomes our enemy. Because God has much more in store for us. Much more than just attending church and calling it a, a good place. If you try to be good enough, you will never be good enough. You'll never be good enough to save your sin. You'll never be good enough to get you into heaven. You'll never be good enough to, to forgive your life. You'll never be good enough for Him. I pray that we never settle for being good enough. I pray that our reality is, is that we have a relationship with Jesus like nobody thought possible. What's your reality? What is your reality today? Reality will lead naturally to recollection. Reality will lead naturally. That's what, that's what Jesus said in chapter 5 when he said, remember. Recollection is remember. It's to recollect and recall the past. Let me just give you a couple of instances. Can you recollect when you were baptized? When you were baptized, got the little robe on, you went up, the preacher said his words, put you under the water. But here's my question for you. Recollect, when you were baptized, did Jesus become your best friend? Did Jesus take priority in your life? Did Jesus change your life? Did he forgive your sin? Did did he give you a new heart? Did he give you a new direction? Did he change your life? Or did you simply join the church, get baptized, and gain cultural acceptance? There's a big, big difference. How about this? How about 
Can you recollect a time when you were closer to the Lord than you are today? Do you recollect a time when you would hear his voice regularly? Do you recollect a time when you were growing in your faith? How long has it been since God has spoken to you about your involvement in ministry, some kind of ministry or mission? Let's kind of turn it a little bit as you recall. Have you, can you recall? Here's the big one. Can you recall some sin that you really just wanted to forget and cast aside? You really didn't deal with. You just you just want to get rid of it. Reality is difficult. Recollection is painful. But they're required if we're ever to find true harmonious fellowship with our Lord. Now before I pass, you can back that up, we're not there yet. Before I pass this point, I want to say this. I don't care to be mean at all. But you are kidding yourself. You are kidding yourself if you are living in sin. Doesn't matter what it is. Arrogance. Unfaithfulness. Bad attitude. Immorality. Pride. Gossip. list goes on. You're kidding yourself if you're living in sin and you think Jesus just understands. The reason he went to the cross and died was because of that sin. He's not going to beat you up with it the rest of your life. All he wants you to do is bring it to his, his cross, to his feet. And ask for forgiveness and turn from it. Which brings us to the next word that you saw up there. Repentance. Recollection leads to repentance. Tell you what I know today. Nobody wants a preacher to preach on repentance. Nobody does. Strikes too close to home. To repent is to remember something that you did against God and admit you did it, and then ask for forgiveness, and nobody really wants to do that. And yet, having been bold enough to present it to you, I ask you, is there a sin in your heart that you've not repented of? Oh, but I forgot about that years ago. You might have forgotten about it, but unless it's under the blood of Jesus and been forgiven, our Father hadn't forgotten about it. It's a requirement. If we're going to keep the door of opportunity open, if we're going to keep his blessing coming, if we hope of him sending the rain of his spirit, it will be because his people see their reality and they recollect where they've fallen from. They recollect the things that are in their life that they need to fix, that he needs to fix. And then they repent of them. Repentance is the only way to be in a place where God can move in a supernatural way and fix our culture. 
Can I just ask this? Now, this is an amen question, so I don't catch you off guard. Do you believe this culture needs a little fixing? <laughs> that was sluggish. That was sluggish. When I, when I read the paper, I watch the news, see the news online, I see nothing but we need a move of God. Repentance is the first and it's the last message of Jesus on earth. It's the message of John the Baptist. It's the message of Peter. It's the message of Paul and it can't be ignored. And for those of us who are computer geeks, there's no work around. It's repentance. And when we repent, that leads us to readiness. It's at that point we're ready. We're ready for God to do something. If I were to ask this, are you ready for God to do something in our nation? I'd get a resounding amen, right? Are y'all awake? I'll try that again. If I were to ask if we want God to do something in this nation, I'd get an amen, right? But I have you this question. Are you ready for a move of God, not just in this nation? Are you ready for a move of God in our county? Are you ready for a move of God in this church? Are you ready for a move of God in your life? For God to come do for you what nobody else could do? This is the point. Where we are right now, this is the point. Where we heard Ray tell the story of the farmers. This is the agricultural point where we break up the fallow ground of our hearts and make it soft so it can receive the seed. It is the place where the carpenter gets the wood and forms what he wants. It is the place in pottery where the clay is formed by the potter. And it is at this point, repentance, it's this point that God knows we are ready for the rain. I pray that we, if we're not ready, which I don't think we're quite ready, I say that with love in my heart. Because I'm not sure that we really want it yet. You see, we already read the scripture where it says, Jesus opens the door of opportunity. At least nod your head if you can't speak. Okay? God opens the door of opportunity. And we can't close that door. Didn't we read that? Thank you. Okay. So if if he opens the door and we can't close the door, what can we do? Here's what we can do. Please listen. We can refuse to walk through it. We can say that's not really what I signed up for. That's not really where I want to go. That's 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 not really my my game plan. We can simply look, it's like a calf looking at a new gate. We can look at that and go, man, I don't know about this. I'm not going through it. I, I, I'm just going to stay where I am. We can say no and not walk through the gate of opportunity that God has opened. We won't see it as a gate. We won't see it as a door. We won't see it as an opportunity. We won't respond like God wants us to because responding to God is a conscious act of the will. 
when our will and our want and our way trumps God's, then we thwart the work, his work, his work in us, his work through us, his work for us. But I'm going to end on a good note. When we choose to follow him, we choose to surrender our lives to him. Readiness leads to revival. Now, we have some problems with revival in the South. First of all, it's our concept. What's a revival? Well, it's a meeting that normally goes Sunday through Wednesday today. There was a time it went two weeks. Did you know that? Two weeks of revival. You know why it was two weeks? Makes perfect sense. The first week was to get the church revived. The second week was to get the lost saved. That's why it was two weeks. We're about to have a revival, but it's not going to be two weeks long. It's going to be four days, five days. Four days. My brain's not working right sometimes. Going to do it in six weeks. You've heard me tell us about that. But I want to say this. We're going to have a revival effort. We're going to have a revival meeting. Everything that you'll see from our office is about a revival meeting, revival effort, revival time. Will we have revival? I have no idea. But our concept of revival is just you come four or five meetings and, and, it, and it's all good. But that's not really how you, that's not really a revival. We don't even have to have a Sunday through Wednesday or Sunday through five meeting to have revival. Richard Owens Roberts defines revival like this as an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit producing extraordinary works. I said that fast. I'll say it again. It's an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit producing extraordinary works. My definition, it's a divine movement of God that awakens the cold heart, revives the dead heart, and places front and center in our priorities the kingdom of God. And it's work. You know what I believe? I believe whether revival comes or not is on us. And not because we're God. Certainly it's a divine event. God shows up when he wants to. But here's what I will tell you. God... I believe, wants to send a revival to this land. I want to say that again. I believe that God wants to send a spiritual awakening revival to this land. It's my beat, it's my heartbeat, my conviction that all he's waiting on is his people to want it bad enough to come to the place that he can pour out his rain on them. He opened the door. His open door of opportunity is an invitation. I believe, I'm going to tell you, you can go out here and tell everybody your preacher lost his mind, but I want to tell you this, I believe that God wants New Hope, Ten Mile Creek, to be the flashpoint of an awakening like we have not seen in years.
year was 1857. It was not in a church service. It was not a minister. It was a layman named Jeremiah Lamphere. He announced a prayer meeting in New York City. Come on. New York City. At noon on a Wednesday. He was there and he started praying at noon by himself. 12.30, I think, 8, 10, 12 folks came and they knelt and prayed. And over the next months, that small prayer meeting mushroomed into a multi-state, multi-thousand. It was so overwhelming to people that on one Wednesday, they were... Somebody was noting that businesses were closed for the hour of lunch and said, go on to the prayer meeting, go on to the prayer meeting, go on to the prayer meeting. One person was trying to find where it was, walked up to a police officer and he said, sir, Mr. Officer, where is the revival? And the police officer said, it's right here, it's right here. We just came through Christmas. Where the angel told Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you believe that he wants to do something with us. The state of this church is that I believe God is waiting on us. Waiting on us to prepare ourselves for him to do what he wants to do in us. For some of us, that will mean giving your life to Christ. You've never trusted Christ. For others, it'll mean uh, this cold heart being awakened to the things of God. The invitation is yours. Would you bow your heads with me? If you've never trusted Christ, now would be a good time. Everybody's got their heads bowed and their eyes closed. Altars open if you'd just like to come pray. Maybe God's shown you something in your life you need to fix. There's nothing greater that you need to fix than your relationship to Christ. If you'd like to learn how to be saved, just come and see me. I think you might want to be a part of this church you can come see me or see me after the service do business with him today he's calling he's offering 